You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call 03-9419-8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Evil minds at plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week. The last program for 2023. I assume you're all chrissied out, bloated. So we want to get back into the real world. So I think what we'll do is we'll wrap up 2023 and see what's happened. Now, before we do that, just uh, remind you, this is the Anarchist World this week. I'm coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. Now, I'd like to thank all those listeners who've put up with us for the um, last 12 months. And if you're still wondering what anarchy is all about, anarchos without rulers. An anarchist society is a society without rulers, not without rules. What gives leaders the movers and shakes of the world? The power to determine the lives of billions, not millions of people. Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is to devolve power, that share power, through possibly direct democratic means, although there are other means, and to hold wealth in common. And I know this is very radical, using it for the common good. So what's uh, interesting about 2023? Well, 2023 is basically a wasted year. A totally wasted year. Why is it wasted? Because we've gone backwards in almost every aspect, culturally, socially, politically, in Australia. And the main reason for that is the opening salvos of 2023 highlighted the direction our political leaders were moving in, prodded by our corporate rulers. And that was a strategy of widening the rifts which exist in Australian society. A strategy based on fear-mongering, misinformation, disinformation, 
falsehoods. It seems that the 21st century is a century where facts, F-A-C-T-S, they do exist, have become disposable commodities. I mean, the history of the human race has been a particularly patchy one. Have we, as we've spread this little, the locusts have spread around the planet, we've left death and destruction behind us. We've created societies which are grossly unequal. We have formulated religious beliefs and cultural practices which reinforce, widen the inequalities that exist in society. And to see that the main political direction in 2023 was division, was widening those rifts that exist in Australian society. A conscious strategy to make fear the dominant that's right, the dominant political ideology. Fear of the other, economic fear, fear of the unknown. It's all about fear. So how can we counter this? What happened? What happened in 2023? Well, we went along for the ride. We didn't stop the roller coaster. We didn't say enough is enough. We followed their plan. We followed the plan of the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, who set the parliamentary agenda every single day of the year. Not as individuals, but as collections of people living in our little silos, oblivious to the real reasons we find ourselves in this situation. Those who are regular listeners to the program will know that it's just extraordinary that 26 million people living on a continent can make such a hash of life. A resource-rich continent. This is not Bangladesh. This is not Gaza. This is Australia, 2023. Wasted opportunity over wasted opportunity. A government that's been elected federally that is hamstrung, fearful of doing anything to upset the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Cowed by the fact fear is the main driving force in Australia. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. We had fear of the yellow peril. We had fear of asylum seekers. We had fear of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. It just goes on and on. But what happened in 2023 is it became part and parcel of everyday life for most Australians. There seems to be an acceptance that all we can do is somehow protect what we have, not expand what we have, not change the dynamic 
not change the way society is organised. So what are these defining moments in 2023? What are these defining moments? I think one of the most defining moments was the housing affordability crisis. Something which has caused a great deal of discomfort amongst the two-thirds of Australians who are paying off a mortgage or renting. And what was the extraordinary thing was, was governments at the state and federal level relying on the private sector to fix a problem which they created. Because you see, in every state, especially in Victoria, state governments have been doing everything they can to privatise public housing. To give over the management, and more importantly the titles to public housing, to privately run organisations which masquerade as affordable community social housing. And despite the escalation in rents, as people who negatively gear property pass on increasing interest rates to their tenants, whose rents escalate, we saw no concerted effort, not just by governments, but by the people of this country to support public housing. That's right. Support public housing. Support the expansion of public housing. In Victoria, where I'm familiar with, the government, the state, a Labor-based state government, has done all it can to destroy public housing by not repairing public housing estates, by not carrying out renovations, by letting them be run down and then closing them down and dispersing the tenants, claiming that social, affordable community housing was going to fill the gap. Obviously, it's not going to fill the gap. And at the federal government level, we had a very weak attempt to inject a little bit of money into the housing sector, which went to the private sector, that's right, the private sector, almost exclusively. Now, capitalism is a very simple concept. You know and I know it's a simple concept. It's about public investment for private profit, irrespective of the human, social, environmental consequences. If you don't make a profit in a capitalist society, you die. And if you're a publicly listed company and you're relying on shareholders and you don't make a profit, they desert you. There are no ethics or morals in capitalism. None whatsoever. And to leave the housing sector in the hands of a private monopoly has catastrophic consequences. Because in a capitalist society, if you leave everything to the private sector, there is no competition. Now this little equation I'm going to go through is so simple that most people don't understand it. If you invest in public housing, that is housing 
which is owned and managed by the state, whether it's at a federal level or a state level. And in Australia, because we're a federation, it's a state level. You increase competition in the private marketing place, marketplace. As the level of public housing increases, the return to investors decreases because of increased competition in the marketplace. Who's going to pay market rent when you can live in public housing for 25% of your income? Who's going to pay market rent when you've got you've got the ability of not being evicted? Not because you haven't paid your rent, not because you're a difficult tenant, but because the landlord or landlady could make an extra buck. You've got security of tenure in public housing. You can live in public housing for 30 to 40 years if you want to. And many people have. And they've brought up children. They've become part, you know, respectable members of our society, including our beloved Prime Minister, Mr Albanese, who keeps telling us he was brought up in public housing, but somehow has forgotten, except when he's interviewed for some, you know, puff piece in the media. That's the first thing, is that governments and we as a people have let ourselves down by not promoting public housing. Now, over the last six years, we've done the best we can through public housing, everybody's business, and defend and extend public housing. But the interest has been minimal, marginal, because all those agents, all those groups, all those organisations which supported the expansion of public housing, have now deserted the public housing campaign because the privatisation of public housing has meant profits for them. Even if they're not for profit associations, it has meant the growth of a well-paid bureaucracy to manage private housing, which masquerades as public housing. So public housing has three advantages. One... It's available to people who can't... It should be available to people who can't afford to buy in the private housing market. Two, it's fi the rent is fixed at 25% of your income. And three, you've got tenure for life, unless the government decides to tear down your estate because it's not willing to make renovations to improve it. So that's the... That is one of the most depressing things about Australia in, 20, in 2023. The fact that the public housing sector has been sacrificed on the altar of private housing and we are now reaping, reaping the results of those policies. So that's one of the really difficult aspects of living in Australia in 2023. 26 million people living on a continent and we can't even house them. The next disappointing aspect of 2023 is the growing gap between the public sector and the private sector, whether it's healthcare, whether it's education, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's services. The fact is, we are now reaping the benefit of wholesale 
privatisation of essential services like gas, electricity. Centres like Centrelink, employment, vaccine manufacturing. We've seen every major public enterprise and many of them profitable like the Commonwealth Bank, like Telstra, like CSL, sold off for peppercorn rents, sold off to the private sector. For example, in the mid-90s when the Kidding-led Labor government sold off the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, which had been in existence since 1911, when it had been created by a Labor government, one of the first Labor governments in the world, so that we could manufacture vaccines in this country, they sold off the shares for about $2.85, could have been $2.95. Today, they're worth over $300. Just extraordinary. Look at all the garbage we were told about the privatisation of gas and electricity. Prices would come down. Competition would ensure prices come down. The fact is that in a capitalist society where there is no strong public sector, there is no competition. Because private corporations collude actively to maximise their profits, irrespective of the human cost. So the the continued privatisation of services has been one of the lowlights of 2023. And once again, people are reaping the benefits, and there are no benefits, of this privatisation orgy. A privatisation orgy based on ideology, not facts. I think the next highlight of 2023 is increasing interest rates. It's interesting, isn't it, that when things are going well, when things are going well, we socialise the losses and privatise the profits. When things are going badly, it's the ordinary Australian that carries the can. To me, the highlight of 2023 locally, that's in Australia, was the fact that company profitability continued to soar during 2023 despite 13 interest rate rises over a two-year period. And the fact is that corporations, because they have monopolies and duopolies in this country, did not pay any price for the deteriorating economic situation. Increasing interest rates affected three sections of society. Small business, which is never accounted for. I mean, small business interest rates went from about 5% to 14.5%. Then there are mortgage holders. Their interest rates have tripled. And then there are people who rent. And they suffer because the people who own more than one home, you know, in the rental market, they increase their rents to pay the increase in interest rates so they pass on any losses, so-called losses, to their tenants so they're still ahead. So all the major figures in Australian society 
who should have been paying a price for increasing interest rates, have used the spectre of increasing interest rates as a mechanism by which to maximise their profits by gouging the public. That's right. And what do governments do? They say, leave it to the marketplace. It's all very well leaving it to the marketplace in a society where there's competition, but in a society where you only have monopolies and duopolies or three or four major corporations dominating every aspect of everyday existence, there is no competition. And when push, push comes to shove, it's employees, that's right, employees and customers that carry the can. And there is nothing worse than seeing bank profitability soar in a period of increasing interest rates where the pain is borne by the community. Not the banking sector, not the corporate sector. And to see governments at the state and federal level incapable, incapable of regulating these increases is extraordinary. And once again, it's our fault as a people. Maybe not your fault directly, but as a community, as people who call ourselves Australians, as citizens and permanent residents, it's our fault. We have allowed this to occur. For far too long, as a people, we've been interested in the differences. We're always ready to point the finger at the Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, the person wearing a funny hat, the transgender. Far too often, we think the other is the issue. And this is fanned by a media that whose basic calling card is the manufacturing fear. A great disappointment, 2023, in terms of the load being carried by ordinary citizens, ordinary people, people paying their taxes, working hard, obeying the law. People like you and me, we're losers. They think we're losers because we continue to accept the fact that in a private investment for private profit world, that the only way to survive is to just suck it up. Doesn't matter what the pain is. Take a second job. Suck it up, loser. Suck it up. That's what they think of us. Because we're not willing to go out on the streets to raise these issues. Raise issues of public housing, issues of housing affordability, issues of food security. The other thing I found really distressing about 2023 in this uh, country, the land of milk and honey, was the fact that we've seen more and more private charities taking to the media to raise money to support Australian children obtaining a public education. 
I have nothing against these organisations. They're trying to fill a void. But what I find extraordinary is that we have allowed, as a people, once again, it's easy to blame the politicians. It's even easier to blame the corporate sector because of our taxation system. But ultimately, it's our responsibility. And if there is one thing the anarchist world this week has been saying for the last 46 years is the democracy isn't just rule of the people, by the people, for the people. Democracy is rule of the people, by the people, for the people, by an engaged public. That's the key, an engaged public. And if, as the public, we leave it to the experts, we leave it to our leaders, both religious and political, social, we leave it to social media. We continue to wave our somebody should do something about that membership card of that huge tribe or the other tribe, I'm, I'm going to tribe, nothing will change. Now, over the last year, I've been doing a series of presentations about pivotal moments in 19th century radical history. That's Australian radical history with minimal interest, very minimal interest, which doesn't worry me. But what concerns me is people's inability to actually use the past to understand the present and change the future. And we seem to be a people without a past and a people without a future. And nothing highlighted this more than the voice referendum. In 2017, a significant number of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander delegates from across the country met at Uluru and requested, not demanded, requested that the Australian people support them on three issues. A voice in the Australian Constitution. I didn't want to just be recognised in the Australian Constitution, but I wanted a voice, a voice by which they could give non-binding advice to the government of the day and the bureaucracy about issues concerning Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Nothing radical about that. They wanted truth-telling. Nothing radical about that. And ultimately, they wanted a treaty. A bit radical, a treaty, but, you know, considering Australia's Australia's reaction to the 1992 Mabo decision on the 3rd of June 1992 that Indigenous Australians had rights to land in law because of the prior occupation of this land and that terra nullis, the land of no one, was a fib, a myth. And the reaction where people thought they were going to lose their backyards to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, I can understand why a treaty, you know, is a you know, bridge too far away. But you would think, you would think in 2023 it would be a no-brainer to allow people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, to have a non-binding voice, to non-binding advisory 
voice incorporated into the Australian Constitution. They wanted it incorporated in the Australian Constitution because they were sick and tired of every time they had a voice, every time government changed, that voice was abolished. Now, referendums I find particularly important. And referendums are particularly important because they're not about the government. They're about the people of this country who are eligible to cast a vote making a binding decision regarding matters which are put before them by the Australian government of the day. So to me, this was an exercise in direct democracy. This was a mechanism by which governments could be kicked up the ass by the people of this country who would have said, enough is enough. But what did we see? We saw one of the most divisive campaigns ever. We saw prominent black activists jumping on a sovereign bandwagon sabotage the vote. We saw the extreme right, the races of our society, using this division to sow hatred and division across Australia. Where what the referendum was all about was lost in a litany of lies and misinformation and disinformation, which was spread not just on social media, which you can understand, but which was spread in the corporate-owned media in this country. This was an exceptionally important referendum because it would have given momentum towards truth-telling and, more importantly, finally towards a treaty between the federal government and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. But when the Australian people, courtesy, courtesy of the extreme right, courtesy of the Duttons of the world, who used it for short-term political gain, courtesy of the Black Sovereign Movement, defeated the referendum, an unholy coalition, defeated this referendum, the question about a treaty and truth-telling has been put on the back burner. And I believe I will never see significant movement at a federal level to truth-telling and treaty during my lifetime. Maybe during my children's lifetime, but more likely during my grandchildren's lifetime. This has, this referendum result, the way it was manipulated by elements in society which should have known better, to suit their short-term political ends, has sunk the reconciliation boat. To me, this was another important, another disappointing aspects of 2023 at a local level. Fortunately for Australia, fortunately for Australia, and unfortunately for the people of Gaza, we saw a carnage and slaughter in the Gaza Strip that has not been seen in the 21st century. Extraordinary scenes. Extraordinary scenes. 
where people who'd basically been living in a prison since 2007 when they elected Hamas to govern Gaza, a little enclave of about 2.3 million people, half the size of Canberra, you know, hemmed in by walls, only two entrance points, one from the Egyptian border, one from the Israeli border. We have seen unimaginable scenes of destruction, of carnage, of war crimes, which in many cases parallel Nazi war crimes. We have seen this, and it hasn't been conducted by the Chinese government or the Russian government, which has got its own, you know, its own war in the Ukraine, but it's been conducted on behalf of the Western world by Israel with the full support of the United States government, which has vetoed any possibility of a long-term ceasefire until, we are told, Hamas is exterminated. But at what cost? What humanitarian cost? Now, any moral, ethical position the United States held has been lost. Finished. Finished. And that brings me to another disappointing aspect of 2023. Exceptionally disappointing. The fact that a Labor government has hitched its cart to the United States willy-nilly. Now, I don't know how good you are at geography, but I don't think Australia is on the west coast or the east coast of the United States of America. We're kind of in a little place very near Asia and obviously some Pacific Islands. We're not in their sphere of influence. What we've done this year is horrendous because as a people, we have given up our sovereign rights to defend ourselves to an outside government, which has at best a very patchy record as far as supporting its allies. Now, anybody who's familiar with history, you don't have to be a PhD doctoral candidate in history, anybody who's familiar with history would know that it wasn't late in, it was, was late in World War I before the United States intervened. And when his, Hitler was rampaging across, across Europe, the United States sat on its fingers until Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese in late 1941. And when you look at post-World War II history, and you look at the way the United States has treated its allies, you would think twice before you put all your baskets into the United States protecting you. Not only have we formed uh, an alliance, which is understandable, but we have now integrated our military capability into the United States military capability, which makes us totally dependent on the United States if there is conflict. Even if there is conflict which we do not support as a people, and our governments don't support, because of these alliances, 
we will be drawn into conflicts which have nothing to do with us and which will make us a pariah in this part of the world. With a coastline as long as, as ours, it makes defence exceptionally impossible. Impossible. Instead of forming alliances with our neighbours, instead of directing our defence capabilities to actually formulating peace agreements and trade agreements with our neighbours, we are more interested in pandering to the United States because we think they will save us. Well, let's look at recent history. Vietnam, they cut and ran. Afghanistan, less than three years ago, cut and ran. The list goes on and on around the world. When Kurdish groups combined to defeat IS with United States military assistance, the United States deserted them and let, let them to their own devices when they were attacked by Turkey and Iraq and Iran. Just deserted them overnight. So if you think an alliance with the United States, especially an alliance where our military capability is intertwined with the United States military capability, is going to save you and your children and grandchildren. Think again. What we need is independent, we need an independent foreign policy. That's what we need. Independent foreign policy. Not attach ourselves to the United States coattail. It's extraordinary how there is almost every Australian thinks that our future is dependent on the US alliance. Forgetting history. Forgetting history. Another disappointing aspect of 2023. See, Australia is a particular problem. We don't acknowledge our past. I'm not just talking about the genocide of this country's First Nations people. I'm talking about what's happened since. We don't acknowledge the past. And the reason I presented these 10 presentations on 19th century Australian radical history was the fact that for far too often, we as a people have forgotten where all our rights and privileges come from. And if you look at 19th century history and the struggles which occurred during 19th century history to improve people's situation, you will begin to understand that everything you take for granted today was created by those radicals in the 19th century who pushed not just for revolution, but pushed for major reforms, which were incorporated in Australian government's legislation. As an independent sovereign nation state, we had some of the most important reforms ever, historically. We had the movement which created those reforms. And if you take this back to the 1970s, where we're told the Whitlam-led Labor government was the worst government in Australian history, the fact is 
the Whitlam-led Labor government made more reforms in four short years than any government has done since 1901. Positive reforms. And why was it able to make these reforms? Because the people of this country had taken to the streets in the 60s and 70s, early 70s, and forced the Labor Party to take on a reformist agenda, which included things like a universal health insurance scheme, which was called Medibank then, and Medicare, which is central to Australians receiving health care, access to health care. Could you imagine if you had to pay up front to receive health care? If it wasn't for that struggle, there would be no Medibank if it wasn't for the Whitlam-led Labor government. And that came through push from the base, not just from the ALP members, from Australian society, that change was necessary. We don't have that push anymore. We're too happy to be entertained. There is so much in 2023 to actually take our eye off the main game. The main game of sharing the wealth of this country, of exercising real power. We have decided to ignore the main game. We're too interested in our little computer games, too interested in YouTube, too interested in doing things that divert our attention from the main game. That's what we seem to be interested in. I mean, the diversions we are able to access are innumerable. But the fact is, it doesn't matter how you try to divert your attention from the real world. The real world has a very, very, has a habit of actually intruding into our diversionary activities, whether increasing interest rates, whether it's food security, whether it's housing affordability, whether it's access to health care. And when we let the public sector fall behind, we reap the situation we find ourselves in. Another disappointing aspect of 2023 is the Total lack, total lack of taxation reform. Now, there is taxation reform which has come in, which is going to improve the returns of people who are, you know, earn more than $2,000 a week. But there's been really no taxation reform regarding increasing the assets which can be directed to improving the lives of people in this country. We still have the ridiculous situation in 2023 of having billionaires created. That's right, not millionaires, but billionaires created by giving people a licence to exploit our, that's right, our natural resources and allowing them and their shareholders to maximise their profits at our expense while paying voluntary taxation. 
And every time there is a noise to in- introduce a super profits tax, the corporate-owned media begins to fit as if the end of the earth has come, asking for a little bit of return for the fact that successive governments have given major corporations the ability to maximise profits at the expense of the Australian people. I mean, the most extraordinary thing was the fact that we, as a country, the second largest gas provider on planet Earth, didn't have enough gas for businesses on the east coast of Australia. Not because there wasn't enough gas, but because successive federal governments had allowed the private sector, successive federal governments had allowed the private sector the ability to maximise their profits at our expense. Extraordinary. There was no gas allocated to the east coast of Australia and we had to buy it at above market prices. And again, governments shrug their shoulders and say, well, we don't have the constitutional power. Another thing that's been extremely disappointing about 2023 is the fact that the corporate-owned media and the government gelded ABC have been instrumental in creating the situation we find ourselves in. Now, I can forgive the corporate-owned media because they're owned by billionaires in the majority of cases. We've allowed monopolies to grow that have a excessive influence on Australians' thinking who use misinformation and disinformation as their calling card and we allow them to continue to maximise profits by you know, creating a climate of fear in this country, I can forgive them. That's their role. That's what they're about. They're about protecting the status quo. But I can't forgive that government guild at ABC for what they have done in 2023, which is sweet F all. Now, I remember the ABC in the 1970s and 1980s and even the 1990s, and they had a little bit of pull and power. What successive federal governments have done at the behest of the corporate sector and the corporate-owned media is actually destroy the capacity of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation to bring us news and views from a variety of sources, not just the same people mouthing the same platitudes day in and day out. Day in and day out. And how have they done this? They have placed people on the Australian Broadcasting Commission board who want to abolish the Australian Broadcasting Commission. Could you imagine that? Governments have placed people on the board who want to abolish the commission, who want to ensure that the corporate sector is the only sector that is able to provide information. At the same time, 
They've introduced short-term contracts over the last decade in the Australian broadcast, well, two decades in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. I'm talking about 12-month contracts. So self-censorship becomes the name of the game in terms of survival because you step out at a, at a line, well, your contract's not going to be reviewed, renewed. And if you can't get a job in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, you're not going to get a job in the corporate-owned media and you're going to have to find a new job. We've seen people like Stan Grant walk away from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation because of what it's become. We see their coverage of the Gaza slaughter reduced to press releases from the Israeli military media unit. And if you think I'm exaggerating, tune in to the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. See how it's been dumbed down. See how it's become a, a poor clone of the commercial sector in the majority of cases. I don't blame the workers... They do what they do to survive, like most workers in this country do to survive. Because we live in a private investment for private profit world, and if we haven't got a job, we don't pay our bills, we lose everything we've got. So I can understand their position. But I do blame successive governments for destroying the Australian Broadcasting Corporation because it held truth to power, because it upset their corporate friends. That's who I blame. But ultimately, as we saw in Gaza, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And what those who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication need to understand that there is a tipping point, a boiling point, when people react. And we're seeing increased pressure on 2023 and that was 2023 is about was increasing pressure not on the corporate sector not on the one percent that own the means of production distribution exchange and communication but on governments that have tried to introduce a, a reformist agenda which has been which has been sabotaged by the corporate owned media and their backers that's what we've seen in this country. But the most disappointing aspect of 2023 has been the lack of fight back. We have a situation where striking outside enterprise bargaining agreement period is a criminal act. And when we jump up and down about the Chinese not having the right to strike, well, if you look at the legislation and how it's applied in this country, we're little difference. We talk about human rights incessantly, but when we look at our attitude to what's happening in West Papua, 70 kilometres from the Australian coastline, the genocide that's occurring there, I mean, what credibility do we have? We talk about our moral and ethical position. Look at the situation in Gaza and the tack that the Australian government has taken in terms of its 100% support for the Israeli state and its actions. We're told that we live in an egalitarian community. Look at the increasing divisions in our society. Where report after report tells us the public health sector and the public education sector is not supported because there isn't a taxation revenue. And then we look at Australians' reaction, and this is what I find really fascinating, is our reaction as a people. 
Maybe it's not your reaction, but a general reaction. We all seem to be fixated on our superannuation and that life is about working to have a reasonable superannuation payment by which you can enjoy your old age. I remember when people actually survived on an old age pension, but now we have fallen for the trick that we pay for our own age. You work all your life, you pay your taxes, you obey the law, you act morally and ethically, and you treat as you know disposable garbage. You're expected to pay for your own age. Look at the aged care sector and the lack of support for the aged care sector. But we have Australians jumping up and down and saying, oh, I don't want the corporate sector to pay a little bit of extra tax, like a 1% you know, financial transaction tax, because it may affect my superannuation. Well, usually, now I may be wrong here, there's a 50-year gap between when you're 18 and when you're 68. So what are you going to do for that 50 years? Do what you're told. Don't rock the boat. Don't tear up your membership of the Ghana tribe or the somebody should do something about that tribe. You're going to be good little boys and girls for 50 years waiting for your superannuation payment. You know, And the fact is superannuation is a total con. If you've worked in low-wage jobs and you've been sick or you've had children and you haven't been in the paid workforce, your old age is going to be miserable because there's not enough money in your superannuation package to support it. But if you've been a CEO and you've had 5 to $10 million a year, you can use all those taxation advantages which has been incorporated in the Constitution, not incorporated in legislation by successive governments to enjoy that wonderful, wonderful, you know, second home on the Riviera. And the list goes on and on. And we think somehow if we rock the boat, it's going to affect our superannuation. Those of you who remember 2008 will know that many people lost almost everything in that crash because of the way their superannuation had been invested by these so-called superannuation companies. And then last but not least, let's look at social media. Everybody thinks social media is some type of democratic free-for-all feast. It's not. It's owned by a few people who use you as the product. Your information is the way they make a buck. And you think there's privacy. Well, thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week. Not just today, but we've wrapped up 2023. Thank you for listening for the rest for the whole year. But ultimately, the type of society we create, the type of society we create for our children and our grandchildren, irrespective of what COP28 agreed on or didn't agree on, depends on you. It depends on your interaction. It depends on you taking up that struggle. And there's one thing about 19th century radical history is people took up struggles. Unfortunately, we seem to have forgotten that lesson. And if there's one thing I encourage you to do in 2024 is to become involved, whether it's a local struggle, statewide struggle, a national struggle, an international struggle. The key, the key to exercising power and sharing wealth is the ability to become engaged 
and change, force change in political direction. Nothing will change while governments fear their masters in the corporate sector more than they fear us. And democracy, rule of the people, by the people, for the people, depends on an engaged public. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio, sta- courtesy of the community radio Network. Listen in next week on your favourite community radio station. All the best for 2024. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! CR is Radical Radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're Radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're Radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're Radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.